Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mindshifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and you click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to improve or increase the probability that people have comments, questions, answers, and testimonials to share with us. And we would greatly appreciate it if you would do that. If you have news to share with us, you can call us at 563-999-3581. When you press 1 on the phone, it puts a little icon of a hand by your phone number. I can turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. 
Alternatively, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org, or you can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n.org. And we appreciate when people do that. It makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. That intention is to be of service. If you would let us know how we can be of service, we would appreciate it. We have, tonight being a Tuesday night, we'll have a support group from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central Time. We have Tuesdays and Thursdays are our usual days for the support groups from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central. They're available through Zoom. If you need the information for how to join us, it's available at mindshiftersacademy.org. That's a separate website, mindshiftersacademy.org. And there's a separate login information page for Tuesday and Thursdays. Different info, different login numbers for the two days. So how can we be of support? What's on your mind? What would be of most service to you for us to spend these next, this next hour? Because the second hour will be hosted by Michael and Jeannie and might go in a completely different direction, but always with the idea of supporting the use of these tools and the understanding of them to deepen your ability, your understanding of them, so that you deepen your ability to get powerful, effective results whenever you apply these tools in your life. That is our intention and our purpose. And as I mentioned, it gets far easier to do when people will allow us the benefit of their first-hand input about what would make things better for them. So we have um, had a very busy week last week with me sharing six or seven worksheets on Monday and then the results of journaling on Tuesday and then somebody else doing a worksheet on Wednesday and then discussion about those processes on Thursday and So I have made the uh, Monday and Tuesday the first hour audio available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website on the page labeled Best of Audio Files at the specific recommendation of a couple people after those shows. So you can also find them in the archives if you go to the whyagain.org website. And... um, And give a listen if you haven't, if you weren't able to be here with us live on those two shows, Monday and Tuesday of last week. Feel free to give it a listen, and then call us with your comments and questions and input. I was just finishing a book that I'm reading to interview someone on Thursday. The gentleman's name is Stephen Jacobs, and I mentioned this a couple times last week and then yesterday, that there's wonderful synchronicity and overlap. Clearly, Stephen Jacobs, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, 
has had exposure to some of the same source material that I've had. But I was mentioning it yesterday or the day before, yesterday or last Friday, because as he talks about forgiveness, he reaches the same fundamental conclusion that Michael Rice has and the Course in Miracles and the Way of Mastery has, is that given this understanding, we've been told since childhood that we need to, get, to forgive, but it, it seems impossible to do when we finally reach this work of dismantling our negative perceptions we realize that there's no one there to forgive and he says here's a a wonderful surprise for you if you do the exercises in the preceding chapters eventually there will be no one left to blame or forgive Ultimately, we can learn how to stop blaming ourselves and others. We can learn how to stop holding ourselves and others hostage to some notion or belief that we have about how things should have been. Then later on, in a further chapter, he writes what what sounds like it's right out of one of my bottom line observations. He says... The real power in any situation is always our interpretation of that situation. And I have a bottom line observation that says, what happens to me and around me in this life is nowhere near as important as how I choose to interpret and then respond to those situations or those events. And to my eye and ear, that's exactly the point he's making that Stephen Jacobs makes in the book Mental Illness, a Support Guide for Families and Friends, subtitled being Personal Restoration, Step by Step. So, if you haven't yet understood how you are creating your experience of life not by the things that happen to you but by the way that you interpret and respond to them if that hasn't really sunk in for you yet i encourage you to find a way to explore that set of observations and questions for yourself because the more actively you can be aware moment to moment that it is literally your choice of how to interpret and respond to life events that creates your experience of those events. The more you realize that, see it for yourself, and catch yourself in the moment of creating a negative interpretation from a life event, the more opportunities you'll have to restructure your life in a more positive way. It can happen. You can do it. We're all doing it every moment. We're either constructing a more negative interpretation and response and experience of life or a more neutral or a more positive one. It's happening whether we realize it or not. 
And so the more actively you can become aware of it, the more you can actively learn to observe in the moment, the more opportunities you're going to have to change your experience of life for the positive, away from the negative. The way Course in Miracles would talk about it is choose for love rather than fear. And understanding that you do have levels of choice that your parents, your teachers, your family, your culture has probably never awakened you to, never encouraged you to observe, the more you wake up to that, the more liberty you have in your life. And of course, as Dr. Michael Rice would say, if he were here, he'd talk about how kings don't want you to have liberty. Kings want you to be subordinate to them. And so the... These teachings, this work that we do on this Internet show and in these support groups is not about getting you to follow anyone. It is all about helping you understand your own sense of power and agency and independence and the benefit of recognizing the difference between codependence and interdependence. And your ability to tap into your own, what David White, the poet, W-H-Y-T-E, what he would call your genius loci. In other words, the inherent genius of you as an individual. Genius loci generally means the power, the majesty, the uniqueness of an individual place. So if there's a waterfall or there's a a glen on a mountain, there's a little um, grassy knoll or a a little uh, open area between two mountains, it's anything in nature where there's uh, some beauty and some um, solitude, there's an energy which is available in that specific place. And each of us as energy fields in life have our own unique perspective on life. And so there's a genius, there's a creativity to your perspective as a person. And if you learn to tap into that and you are exposed to the concepts and observations about how It is literally your choice in how to focus your mind energy in any moment that creates your experience of life in that moment. This is very empowering. And that's the point of this work, is to leave you with more flexibility, more resources, more power, more autonomy, more awareness of the impact of your choices day-to-day, moment-to-moment. And it's the opposite of trying to get you to believe something or follow something. Our 
call in number 563-999-3581. If you've got a comment or a question for us, or if you're in the chat room and want to type in a question, we'll be happy to address it in any way we can. I'm, um, I'm going to be doing two other interviews this week. One is with a woman who's a therapist out in Colorado who has recently read the book by Richard C. Schwartz about internal family systems and its application with intimate relationships. And on Thursday, I'll be interviewing Stephen Jacobs about his book, Mental Illness, a Support Guide for Families and Friends. And of course, if I haven't made it clear yet, what Stephen is talking about in this book is basically all the same kinds of awareness almost all the same kinds of awareness that we have in this work. So his book that pr- promotes processing emotions, meditation, breath work, releasing attachment to things that is beneficial for any human being. These are basic uh, mental hygiene um, tools, um, not limited just to somebody whose family member has had a mental illness or an addiction problem. And um, so here's hoping that there would be something that you might find of value as we discuss these things or if you were to read a book like that for yourself because we're all creating our emotions we're creating our negative judgments we're creating our tensions it's happened three times in just the last two days when i've been in sessions with people where they have presented the data points of their life and they reach a negative conclusion about themselves and i'm sitting there i did not live their life with them i'm listening to their presentation of the data points about what happened And my assessment is, oh, my gosh, they're succeeding wildly. It just happened in the last session. I had somebody sitting in my office saying, you know, I'm a bust out, I'm a loser, I've had money problems, I'm this and that. And I have knowledge of his history from having done therapy with him for a number of years. My view of this person is that he's wildly successful especially when you consider the origin story and the severely traumatized parents that raised him and the severe trauma that he was exposed to as a child because his parents had been traumatized. The fact that he functions at the level that he does in this world is remarkable. Some would say miraculous. And yet, his assessment of that very same set of data points is he's a failure, he's a screw-up, he's not mentally healthy, etc. Please understand, your willingness to spin what I call the kaleidoscopic wheel of interpretation, to spin it toward the positive in every opportunity, is one of your greatest abilities, whether you realize it or not. It is something you have the ability, the freedom to do. 
you can choose a positive interpretation of your life events in any moment. Some people call it, you know, a gratitude practice. Some people call it positive mental attitude. Some people call it, you know, choosing a positive mantra and chanting it. But it, it's it's very, very well known that having a gratitude practice and actively applying it in your life is highly beneficial. So, as the uh, Diedrich Wolzak work, which is based exclusively on, well, not exclusively, but really solidly based in The Course in Miracles, as his work would have you do, choose again. Whenever you have a negative emotional state or recurring negative thought, wake up to the the possibility that you can choose again, that you have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment, which means you can choose again. You can choose for love over fear. You can choose for tapping into your innate inner wisdom and learning to release, or in in this work uh, Michael Rice talks about from the ancient Aramaic, the awareness that it is so powerful and so useful to cancel any goal that you might be holding at any point in time when you're feeling a tightness or a tension or a negative emotion. Choose again by canceling any goal. Choose again by asking to be shown something you can't see in the moment with your conscious logical mind. Choose again in terms of choosing for love over fear. Choose again for a more positive interpretation of your life events every time you find yourself thinking of your situation and judging yourself negatively. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. If you call that number and press one, we can have a conversation. What's on your mind? How would it benefit you to spend the rest of this hour? We've got about thirty-five minutes left, and um, plenty of people on the call. In lieu of someone putting a hand up, I will probably go back and look for another question and answer to read from the the book by Christian Sundberg that is titled A Walk in the Physical. And just to remember, to highlight, he talks about at the beginning of this book that he is not a genius. He is not someone who has all the answers. He is fumbling around through life, doing the best he can. Um, before I get to that, I did want to read uh, the poem I was mentioning yesterday. And this is a poem by... Um, Andrea Gibson, 
this is the idea of learning to spin that kaleidoscopic wheel of perspective to something more positive. The title of this is, For the Days That I Stop Wanting a Body. And her spoken word piece is as follows. Imagine that when a human being dies, the soul misses the body. Imagine that it actually grieves the loss of its hands and all that they could hold. Imagine that the soul misses the throat closing in shyness as it's reading aloud on the first day of school. Imagine that the soul misses the stubbed toe the loose tooth, the funny bone, that imagine that the soul still asks, why does the funny bone do that? It's just weird. Imagine that the soul misses the thirsty garden cheeks watered by grief. Imagine that the soul misses how the body could sleep through a dream. What else could sleep through a dream? What else can laugh? What else can wrinkle the smile's autograph? Imagine that the soul misses each falling eyelash waiting to be wished, misses the wrist screaming away the blade. Imagine that the soul misses the lisp, the stutter, and the limp. Imagine that the soul misses the holy bruise Blue from that army of blood rushing to the wound's aid. When a human dies, the soul searches for the universe, searches through the universe for something blushing, for something shaking in the cold, something that scars. Maybe the soul sweeps the universe for patience worn thin, Maybe the soul is searching for, yearning for, the last nerve fighting for its life. Or the voice box aching to be heard. Imagine that the soul misses the way the body would hold another body. And not be two bodies, but one pleading with God, doubled in grace. The soul misses how the mind told the body you have fallen from grace. And the body said, erase every scripture that doesn't have a pulse. There isn't a single page in the Bible that can wince. There's not a single page in the Bible that can feel clumsy, that can create a freckle, that can feel hunger. Imagine the soul misses hunger and emptiness, and rage. Imagine the soul misses the fist that was never taught to curl, and yet it curls. It misses the teeth that were never thought to clench, and yet they clench. Imagine the soul misses the body that was never taught to make love, and yet it makes love. Imagine that the soul 
is like a hungry ghost digging its way out of the grave. The soul misses the unforeverness of old age. Imagine the soul misses the skin that no longer fits. Imagine the soul misses every single day the body was sick. The now that it forced, the here it built from the fever. Fever is how the body prays, how it burns and begs for another average day. Imagine that the soul misses the legs creaking up the stairs. It misses the fear that climbed up the vocal cords to curse the wheelchair. The soul misses what the body could not let go. What else could hold on that tightly to everything? What else could hear the chain of a swing set and fall to its knees? What else could touch a screen door and taste lemonade? What else could come back from a war and yet not come back, but still try to live, try to lullaby? When a human dies, the soul moves through the universe trying to describe how a body trembles when it's lost, how it softens when it's safe, how a wound would heal given nothing but time. Do you understand that nothing in space can imagine it? No comet, no nebula, no ray of light can fathom the landscape of awe the heat of shame, the fingertips pulling the first gray hair and throwing it away. I can't imagine it, the stars say. Tell us again about goosebumps. Tell us again about pain. Andrea Gibson. Now, I mentioned that poem yesterday. I couldn't pull it up right away. But I especially wanted to read it again today because I had two different people in my sessions yesterday who had a very difficult time thinking of their life as a blessing, thinking of themselves as miracles of life expressing in form, finding something to focus on that they can generate gratitude about. And that was two different people in one day of, of eight sessions, eight therapy sessions in a day, but two very stuck people, human beings, miracles of life, heart beating, breath moving, creative intelligence bursting through them, rage seething through them at times, and both of them unable to see their value, the miracle of life, the gift of life within them because they were so focused on the negative interpretation, on a few negative data points or on a whole list of data points seen through a negative filter. recommend Andrea Gibson as a spoken word artist and poet. I'm working my way through her book, You Better Be Lightning. That's the title of the book, You Better 
be lightning. And that particular piece that I just read was titled, For the Days I Stop Wanting a Body, by Andrea Gibson. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. If you call that number and press one, I'll see a little hand by your microphone and turn it on. Area code five four one. You're in the air. Is this Solinda? Yes, it is. Welcome. How are you this morning, Doctor Tim? I'm doing well. How can we support you today? Well, you can support me by letting me share that what you said about gratitude and the kaleidoscope of reframing, of choosing again, uh, was so meaningful for me this morning because that's what happened to me this past week. Um, I have decided it's not even a decision. It's just a bubbling up. A realization, and I don't exactly know the trigger for it, that uh, I have been complaining all my life and being on my pity pot and in sorrow because I didn't get to live with my father's side of the family all the time. And all of a sudden I realized my brother lived with my father since he was three And um, he has been remorseful about um, his mother uh, sending him to my father since he was three. And it hit me, and that might have been the trigger, it hit me, oh, my God, I got to live with my father's side of the family two years. My brother got to live with them all the time. And how differently we, like you said, how differently we perceive things and what different conclusions we come to. And we've both been spending our lives in sorrow for what we didn't have. And I realized what a blessing it was that I got to live with my father's side of the family for two years. It was like the safety relief valve on a pressure cooker. (laughs) It not only kept me alive, it allowed me to thrive for a certain periods of my life, but I didn't see it because I was so um, wrapped up in the fact that I didn't get to live with my father for whatever reason, and I've done many worksheets on those. <clears throat> the other thing that um, the gratitude, and I've been critical and I've been uh Um, basically complaining all of my life. And I went, hey, maybe for the last few years you have in your life, you can just twist that kaleidoscope since it's your favorite toy anyway and um, choose again. And I just wanted to share that with you, the, the thoughts of gratitude and how simple it is to twist our perspective. And I'm... It's ever so grateful. And I just hold my brother up now that he may come to a place where he can let go and cancel his need for mom to not have sent him away. And uh, that's his work to do. My work is to love him, to be love. 
expressing and allow him to be who he is and his perfectly his perfectly unfolding life. So thank you. You're entirely welcome and deserving. It reminds me of this story in the book Mental Illness, a Support Guide for Families and Friends. This gentleman, Stephen Jacobs, is talking about his brother, and this is in the chapter he has on forgiveness. He says, I had a brother who is now deceased who hurt his wrist in a ninth-grade football game. The injury was not serious at the time, but it caused discomfort later in life. My brother spent 50 years, 5-0, blaming his football coach for the injury and subsequent discomfort. My brother convinced himself that the coach should not have put him into the game for that particular play. Year after year, my brother would speak of the, quote, stupid coach, close quotes, and he would talk about how the coach had done such an irresponsible thing. One day... I asked my brother how often he thought about the incident. He said he thought about it at least once a week. I then asked him about how often he thought the coach in the revised event, in that event, revisited it and thought about it. And his brother said, probably never. The coach is too stupid to know that he did anything wrong. And then I posed the question to my brother, let's think about this. You've been thinking about it once a week for 50 years. That's more than 2,500 times that you have felt angry, irritated, aggrieved, and resentful. And yet, you're, you're probably accurate that the coach has not felt that in any way, even once. So who's being stupid here? To his credit, my brother immediately understood, and he answered, I have. And in that moment of honesty, my brother grasped the concept I'm presenting here in this book. Better yet, he put it into practice. And after that day, I never again heard about the football coach. I doubt my brother even kept thinking about the coach or that injury from the football play. By looking deeper into my brother's own story, my brother gained a new, more empowered perspective. A byproduct of this insight was that there was no one left for him to blame or forgive. And that's on the chapter of forgiveness where I've already talked about. He reaches the conclusion that when we do our work appropriately, just like we do if we're doing the ancient Aramaic pattern of forgiveness, we wake up and realize there's no one out there to forgive. That the upset that we keep experiencing is of our own creation. And once we cancel the goals enough time and ask to be shown the hidden part of our own mind, we dismantle the part of our mind that's creating the upset that we say we don't want to feel. And we are then creating a whole new space of liberty and freedom and flexibility for ourselves. So... Congratulations on your doing that, and let us know if we can support you as you continue to use the tools and question anew and start again 
and choose for love rather than fear. Yes, and now I, uh, of course, a, a, a new page opens up and I have a new focus on where I have been choosing fear. I don't know where, well, I kind of have an idea where it comes from. And now I desire to choose love in that area. And I'm just sitting with that for a little while uh, until I know how to proceed and which tool to use and uh, can get some clarity on it. I want to uh, say two things. One is I am so grateful for the breadth of your offering because it gives me such an array, such a smorgasbord from which to choose my healing work, uh, of which the Aramaic Gospel is my foundation, but I have all the, and I have all of these other things to also bring into my toolkit. Um, it's like the kaleidoscope again. I feel like you're offering a smorgasbord or a kaleidoscope for your readers, and I really appreciate that. The other thing I would like to ask you is one more time to tell me the name of Stephen Jacobs' book. His book is titled Mental Illness, A Support Guide for Families and Friends. Good. And it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Jacobs. And it's only about 160 pages. Okay. Yeah, it's not... It's got the PH rather than the V in the word right. in the name Stephen. So that's a mental illness, a support group for family and friends. Is that correct? A support guide. Guide for family okay. and friends. Thank you. And I will be at this um, at the support group tonight. Thank you. I've had to miss the last two weeks. The last two sessions. Yeah, thank you so much. You're very welcome and deserving. I'll mute you so you can listen in to the rest of the show. And I'll invite someone else to raise a hand, ask a comment, a question, provide an answer or a testimonial. 563-999-3581 and or hook up with us through the computer and type something in the chat room if you got a comment or a question. I am um, I am doing as I am moved to do. I'm glad that it is useful. I have had people in the past who have run away from the support group because they did not like the variation. They wanted only to be exposed to Dr. Michael Rice's work. So it is um, useful to get the feedback that people are finding the variety of the approaches helpful. And um, in lieu of someone raising a hand, I will go back to some of the questions from the book, A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg. And one of the highlights, one of the things I want to highlight from this is this concept of a paradox, right? If Here's the question I was reading yesterday. 
if a soul is already perfect and already knows everything, then why would we want to come into this physical realm for an experience? And it seems like a paradox that, that if we're already whole and we're already perfect, that we would need to grow. But a previous essay in this work highlights the fact that, in truth, every experience of a paradox in thought within the human mind is proof of a limited perception of a myopic perspective so that if we understood everything the paradox would dissolve we would see how it all makes sense how everything is always unfolding according to these higher laws And so in this question where it says, if souls are already perfect, already know everything, why do we come into this life for experiences? And why do we come in to try and grow up? If after we die, we wake up and we understand everything, why do we need to have the life experience on earth? Why do we need to wake up again to what we already know? The answer that's given for us to think about, this isn't a definitive answer, but just something for us to consider, is that paradox is not possible. When you understand everything, the paradox dissolves. And even though these first two statements seem paradoxical, they are not. The soul evolves its and grows its experience vocabulary. And it expands by having actual experiences. This is why I read the spoken word piece from Andrea Gibson. What if the soul can't know what it's like to sweat on a hot summer day, to work at hard labor, to experience a fever when it's a child or when it's an adult and it has an illness and yet it aches for that experience that's the point in this Q&A the soul evolves and grows its experience when it's in a physical embodiment that it cannot have those experiences when it's just as energy as a soul as a disembodied soul And while that's happening and it's expanding its experience, it's already perfect. And at the soul level, it has access to all the information that it might ever desire. And yet the information is not the same as the lived experience. This is why I was talking about the story from Guy Finley, who talks about the man that went to the library and read everything he could find about freedom, but he was still enslaved. It wasn't until he went and confronted the master and said, I'm not doing this anymore, that he actually had an experience personally of freedom. And then there's a question about, what do you mean that the soul expands if we're already whole and complete? And and just... Try to. With, I'm not going to read that particular Q&A, but try to wrap your mind around there's a lot more going on here than our conscious, logical minds can possibly comprehend. 
Dr. Michael Rice likes to quote the Harvard research that says, in a period of time, basically one twenty-fifth of a second, when they can measure 10,000 units of electrical activity in the frontal lobes of your brain, your conscious logical mind can only be aware of about nine, nine single bits or digits. In that same period of time, I'd say a relatively conservative estimate is there's probably 20 trillion bits of information hitting your senses. And your senses are only recording a fraction of what's available because your senses can't see past a certain distance or hear past a certain distance, can't register x-rays, microwaves, gamma waves, etc., infrared and ultraviolet light. So there's a lot more going on here than even your senses are able to register, and you're only registering a tiny fraction of that in your brain capacity, and only a tiny fraction of that is being used for you to construct your reality, your conscious reality each moment. So we aren't going to be able to wrap our minds around how a soul can expand and be perfect just the way it is even before it expands. Here's a a question that says, I've heard the Rumi quote, that this quote, this is a subtle truth. Whatever you love, you are, close quotes. And the question is, what does that mean? The answer given here is, Pick something that you love. Your form is not the same as its form, but your nature is the same as what you love. That which has been expressed as the wonderful thing that you love. I think that last sentence is the most succinct way to put it. But to put it another way, when you look at the thing and love it, the love that is shining forth is really ultimately who you are as well. Take nature, for example. When you see a glorious sunset and you appreciate it for its beauty, beauty is your true nature. And you are appreciating the deep what is and how it is here expressing itself as a beautiful sunset. You are the same as it. You are part of life, of nature, of love, of essence, of creative energy expressing in form. That's you. That beauty now expressed is what you are as well. And that's why it feels like love and beauty because it resonates with what you already are. The form, which is your body, or the image of the sunset, that is not fundamental. Beingness is fundamental. Beingness is full of life, the energy of creation, consciousness, awareness. Beingness is what you are, just as the sunset is part of beingness. And you, appreciating it in the form, is love. And that's what you are, is love. If 
563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. 610, is this Susan? Hi, Dr. Tim. How are you? You sound good. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty well. Um, we had a family reunion this last weekend, and a favorite nephew of ours was there, and we he's a practicing Buddhist. And when he was 10, his father took his own life, and his father was a wonderful man who we all loved very much. And actually, his father took his own life when we were at that same place. So he was up very early in the morning. And what happened, one of the great things that happens at these reunions is some of us are very early risers and the big window in the kitchen faces the sunrise over a big valley, Salem Valley in Connecticut. There he was. I came into the kitchen at about 4.30 in the morning and there he was waiting for the sun to come up and reading quietly. And I sat and did my things and we began to talk. I said, what have you been up to? And he said, I've been to a retreat for 10 days. And it was just the toughest thing because I was just assaulted by my thoughts. And my thoughts weren't good. And I felt like a failure. And I said, and he had just broken up with a woman that they were very close and she had been at the family reunion the year before and they had broken up. Things did not work out for many reasons. He said he he knew it wasn't a good lasting relationship, but he just wanted the relationship so badly. And he said he was working through that and suddenly he popped into losing his father when he was 10 now, this is a man who I've been waiting to talk to about this. Um, I saw his face when he heard the news. He was looking and coming toward me as a 10-year-old boy, and his eyes just got really wide, and he looked in sort of a middle-nowhere distance, taking that information in. And I thought to myself, someday I hope we can work through this together. This is such a painful event. And he and I have talked before, but he said in this retreat, suddenly his thoughts went from the loss of his woman friend to the loss of his father. And he said for about three minutes, he was just absolutely a mess of grief. And he said after that, he he had the thought, which is just like the crux of the why we use the tools. He said, I, I got it that we don't always get what we want. And my pain is caused by wanting something I can't have. And that was just such a great discussion to have. And he told of another retreat he'd been on, similarly, terribly dark, feeling as if he wasn't getting anywhere. Suddenly in his mind, in his spirit, he saw this little candle flame. And it was at the end of the retreat where he was feeling like a total failure but made himself go sit at 3 in the morning anyway. He saw this flame and he said, I I realize this might be God. So he said to the flame, why have you gone so far away from me? And God said, I've always been here. 
well, why don't I feel you? And, and God said, I'm not getting this right. But the final words he heard in his mind was, where else would I go but here with you? And he said after that, he felt a tremendous peace come over him, which stayed with him for quite a while. And this is one of the great things about a family reunion, connecting like that. And then my daughter came in, and she's struggling over her son, Jacob. Jacob is not all together, all together, and she worries about him. And we talked, and then the younger, my nephew's younger brother came in, and they resumed the talk about the father. And so there was this amazing thing as the son was coming up, we're having this incredible meeting, but I also felt as if I was given a gift because, you know, I told you in my work, I've never gone so close to the issue, the crux of the issue I've been trying to fight through. And I thought, there it is. It's just something I can't have. I won't have, but it's all right not to have it. I'm fine. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to think about my early childhood and the things that happened there. I listened to the replay of the radio show with great difficulty. I found it extremely unpleasant. I thought you did a good job being bumpers in the bowling alley, but basically it was a tiresome recitation of, I felt as if I'd done nothing but whine the whole time. So I don't want to do that anymore. It seems like a very undramatic revelation to have, but I'm just going to leave that now. That's my answer. And I wondered if that seems like a, an answer to you. Well, the the proof will be in the pudding, right? If you say, I'm leaving yeah. that now, and you actually put it down and leave it, then you're done until it comes up okay, again. Good. And, 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 if <laughs> right. you say, and if you say you put it down and you keep having thoughts about it, then there'll be more work for you to do. And you are in prison if you refuse to do the work, and you walk out into freedom if you do the work. Say that last thing again. If if you say, I'm done with this, and it turns out that it doesn't come up and it doesn't bother you and you feel good and lighter, and then then you're done with it until it comes up again. When it comes up again, if you say, oh, no, this can't be, I'm done with this, then you put yourself in a prison. I see. If when it, if when it comes up again, you do some more work on it, you walk out of the prison into the freedom, into mm-hmm. the liberty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sure hope it doesn't come up again, but you're right, it might. True. Well, you know, that I sure hope it doesn't come up again is basically prepping yourself to go back into prison. It's basically basically yeah. putting blinders on yourself. And what I've said before is that I've learned that if I have that thought, oh, I'm done with this, the best use of that thought for me is to pick up some worksheets and start doing work on what my mind is telling me I'm done with because having that thought is the awareness that I'm not done. It is that issue resonating. And so I can do preemptive work and I don't have to wait for it to get deeply resonated and up in my face and for me to be, you know, all 
upset about something and blame it on something outside of me, I can start doing the work as soon as I have the mm-hmm. thought, oh, I'm done with that. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, thank you again for this call here at the end of this, and um, I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour, and I'll uh, say to um, Andre, I believe it is 520, please hold on. We haven't gotten to you yet. Um, you came in just at the same time that Susan did, so um, I'll leave you there to be turned on with uh, the microphone turned on with Jeannie, when that's appropriate, I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. And, uh, You're very welcome. Did you get my me- message about the new way that we can invite people into the switchboard? Yes, I haven't uh, played with it, but, yes, I did get that message. Okay. Yeah, I used it yesterday for the first time to get someone in that didn't have free cell service, and it worked pretty good. So. All right. Alrighty. Well, have a great show. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. Today is Tuesday, August the 8th, 2023, and our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press one, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. We would love to hear your questions because that makes this your show. And we will give uh, Michael a moment to get dialed in. And uh, I'll just let everybody know that I did find out that you do have to have a Blog Talk account. And uh, if I have your email, you can let me know in the chat room because if you have a Blog Talk account, you can talk to us in the chat room to invite you in um, on the switchboard. And I have the ability to do that, to invite a guest. I have to put in their email address. And then Blog Talk sends a special um, login or a code or something. But it's only good for the, the one day that we're on live. If you do it the next day, you have to have have it again. You have to have another code. and But it is a way of getting people onto the switchboard where they can talk through their computer. So they'll be using their computer speakers and microphones instead of their phone. And it will um, put them in where they can talk to us through their computer instead of phone. And so that works pretty good if you don't have long distance or free cell service or whatever. And uh, so... But we do want to reserve that. You know, if you've got free service, please use that. And let's reserve the dial-in on the computer for those people maybe that are international, um, that that way they can get in without it uh, costing them. And so we'll reserve it for that. But if you don't have free sales service, then, you know, feel free to know and and we'll get you logged in by sending you a, a link that will log you in on your computer. So that works pretty cool. So anyway, Michael hasn't dialed in yet, but I'm going to go ahead and turn on, I believe it's Audrey, 520, you're on the air. Good morning, Jeannie. Good morning. How are you doing, young lady? I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm doing very well, and the quality Good. of my life has expanded in abundance, and awesome. I just want to 
my appreciation for the ongoing support that I have received from from you, uh, from Michael and Dr. Tim and the support group. And thank you, Jeannie, for the guidance of the technical support on how to navigate the Why Again site because oh, you are welcome. Information. And um, oh, you are welcome. I, it's it's you I know think, we're we're building a community and and working towards critical mass. Absolutely, absolutely. And I appreciate your guidance because I was in. in uh, I'm going to be 82, and I started with a pe- a number two pencil and a piece of paper. And now mm-hmm. we have this entity called the Internet. And, right. Um, it's amazing, it's isn't it, how far we've come. We have come. I mean, it's exponential. And it, it appears to me, although time is a construct, which we all agree to. Right. But it appears to me that it is going so fast. And I, I just want to I want to express to all the listeners, please don't be shy if you need support off uh, off the show because you and Michael have been so supportive to me and guided me through the process. Thank you. We're just doing our job, young lady. Thank you. And, and Michael, do I have to call you Dr. Rice? <laughs> call me anything but late for dinner. Michael's absolutely <laughs> fine. <laughs> I, I, you know, I know so many doctors that I'm just going to call you Michael. And listening to Dr. Listening to Dr. Tim, now see, I use doctor, and, and, and his one hour prior to you, and he spoke on experiences. And oftentimes, I would be resentful that um, I had so many, what I would consider at the time, because I was in a negative of my uh, my life and I just didn't understand and then I looked at I mean I'm not going to give you an organ organ recital of the body but that but the body is just a form and it is impermanent but the experiences and one of my experiences I was always first runner I had never come in any race second. And one day, found out I couldn't move my leg. And the diagnosis was that I had polio. I was hospitalized. Talk about humility. I couldn't even move myself. And it was a single bed, a single hospital bed. I couldn't move my body from one side of the bed to the other without help. 
And That's my, a tough place to be. It, and my wish was, oh, please, God, so many, many experiences as we all had experiences. And I had a friend who said to me, you know, Audrey, some people come into this lifetime and they have an outhouse. But you have a barn. I thought that was hilarious. But I am so appreciative for all these experiences. I mean, something is happening to me. Instead of now calling up the program and expressing all my woes in a negative spin, it's like the abundance of gratitude is overflowing. And thank That's you awesome. for everything. Well, you're getting to experience the fruit of the work you've done, and that's what it takes, is doing your work, for sure. So glad that you've moved into that place of appreciation. That's a a pretty sweet place to be, isn't it? It's a wonderful place to be, although when I was doing the work, I have to say I was not feeling wonderful, but the result of the inner work is, I, I mean, the parables uh, uh, of the three, it's like a hundredfold. And it's happening. I, I, thank you for being part of my journey in the field of awareness. We are all one anyway. Honored and blessings, delighted. Blessings, blessings. All right, and the same to you. Thank you. All right, appreciate you. One of the interesting things that happens when one begins to engage in the work or continues to engage in the work is that when the mind serves up a picture, serves up a a presumption from the unconscious, then that same mind will hallucinate all kinds of non-accurate, quote-unquote, facts to prove the conclusion we hold is true. So once the mind shows us a reality, and you know, we want to distinguish between reality and actuality. Actuality is what is actually happening in the creation Reality is the output of the mind, and everybody's got one. And because we're brainwashed in this culture, actually by probably the age of four, the average person in this culture is already a card-carrying member of the one world universal religion of blame. And when one does not wish to be responsible for what's moving within them, the pain that they don't want to embrace, they can just make up all kinds of stories about anybody and everybody and make it somebody else's fault. When the reality bears no resemblance, and this is this is one of the reasons why over and over and over again, we talk about becoming the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions, stepping back and observing your mind in operation. 
And as you do that, you start to put two and two together, and your mind comes up with an old unconscious reality. Substitute it for the substitutes that reality for the facts of the situation, and then it just goes on creating a whole series of presumptions, making stuff up to make the initial presentation of the mind appear to be true. And generally speaking, it makes it true about somebody else. Makes up a whole reality that justifies whatever I'm thinking and making the pretense that what I'm thinking is true about you instead of me. That's a really important thing. Well, if you want peace, if you want harmony in your relationships, it's really important to be responsible for the realities that come up in your mind rather than your mind hallucinating a reason to blame somebody else. It creates a tremendous amount of conflict. In fact, I'd say it's a major root of conflict in relationships is when the unconscious mind presumes its reality is true its reality is painful, and it doesn't want to own its painful reality, so it just makes up a story about somebody else, and then one can feel comfortable blaming that other. So it's a really important dynamic to watch out for, and for two reasons. One, of course, it creates havoc in relationships, but two, the faster you can catch your mind playing its game, the faster you can let go of the games of your mind. The faster you can apply the process of forgiveness. You know, your mind comes up with some presumption, and then it makes up that somebody else must be guilty of that presumption. And once you put two and two together and go, well, there's actually no evidence for the second presumption. Therefore, my mind's making it up. When you start to realize that your mind just makes stuff up, you can accelerate your healing process tremendously and create a lot more peace in your relationships because you don't have to make stuff up to blame other people for what's going on in your mind. You can just recognize, oh, this is going on in my mind. And whatever's going on in the mind, knowing that it's driven by goals, if there's pain in it, then that particular construct of the mind can be collapsed and removed. And the whole idea is to get to the point where you remove every energy in you that has to do with any form of pain or trauma pointed at you. So develop that ability to become the observer. Just step back and look at it. And, and just notice how, my, how often your mind makes up a story to make the totally illogical conclusions that it serves to you seem reasonable and fair. And when you catch your mind doing that, then step back to the original hallucination, the original construct of the mind, collapse it, and look at what underlies it rather than having to put it in your brain's image of someone else and blame them for it. So it's a really important principle. Step back. Become the thinker apart from the thoughts.
theater apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions, and the need to blame somebody else for it tends to go away. Now, be careful, because when you stop making stuff up about other people, you can start making stuff up, or maybe already do, about yourself. You know, somebody does something that's untoward, somebody does something that's not appropriate in their lives, and they'll take that behavior and turn it into a whole set of conclusions about self. Well, look at me, I'm stupid. Well, look what I've done. How ridiculous is that? And to start to short-circuit the mind, making up negative constructs about yourself or anybody else will lead to so much more peace in your life that it's beyond belief. Most people don't have a clue how often they're just making garbage up because their mind has said something's true that simply isn't. And whenever the mind is coming up with something based in hostility or fear, you know that that reality, that structure in the mind, that construct, is based in false evidence. The root of most of it is F-E-A-R, fear, false evidence appearing real. When you project that evidence on yourself, you start feeling bad about what you've done toward yourself or toward others. When you make that false evidence appear real about someone else, there tends to be the creation of separation. So just something to watch out for. The mind's projections is one of the most profound skills. Now, difficult to collapse them when you absolutely accept and believe whatever it is you're saying about whatever it is. And it can be simple mechanical things or it can be the most deeply hurtful relationship things that one does this behavior with. But just watching your mind and what it does. Is this, is this really true based on what just happened? And if it's not, then step into and apply forgiveness to remove whatever that is. And so, Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? We actually have several hands up, but one of them is Jamuna, and you had told her to call in at the beginning of the show, so I'm going to turn her microphone on first. Cool. 808, you're on the air. Aloha, kakahiaka, um, doctors. I believe Jeannie's a doctor, too. <laughs> I, it's a aloha. PhD doctor, so aloha. So hi, doctors. Yeah, you know, I, I, I forgot the other day, but today I... I uh, you know, the intuition with me is like, you need to get there, you get there. And what a beautiful, uh, I would listen to what you're saying, doctor. It was just amazing and beautiful because uh, that's exactly where I'm at. Um, uh, you know, I was in another Zoom group the other day, and we were talking about how, um, because really everything is in the mind, everything is in the mind. We're creating it. <laughs> Yeah, even most of the time unconsciously. And 
about triggers and how, you know, so, you know, because the ego wants to create through pain, how the only thing that if someone triggers you, it's really just a chance for you to embrace, like you were saying, to embrace that whatever is going on because you're actually doing it unto yourself. Like, you know, like, you know, everyone's a savior so that you can recognize what you're actually choosing. I hope that makes sense. I, I hope I'm not, I'm not going too far out into the left field or somewhere. Anyway, can you hear me? You're loud and clear. Hello? Oh, okay, You're loud okay. and clear, and I'm with I you. Just, uh, <clears throat> uh, okay. And, um, so have you got an so, example in mind of, of what it is that you're experiencing, what it is you're, you're starting to understand? Well, okay, I'm getting to the second part, is, you know, getting more watchful of the mind about, you know, the thoughts and everything. However, like in A Course of Miracles, Yeshua says, you know, when, you know, the ego is very clever, yeah. So what's going to happen is it's going to start, you know, bringing up all the things that you, that it wants to say you're guilty in the past of. Like, let's say I got um, in a bad argument with someone and stormed out and caused a big scene. It's going to use that against you. It's going to use anything. So now that, it's getting, that you're getting clever about knowing that it's not anybody else and taking those judgments, it's going to turn it onto yourself. And I was trying to look for it, but I can't find it. Um, so when you brought that up, I was like, yeah, I understand that, because that's, that's a lot of what's going on. That's why I wanted to get to. So, yeah, you know, it's trying to make that evidence real. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Giving up projection, you know, when, when you realize that whatever is moving in brain cells, the mind has the ability to turn it into pictures. And it paints those uh-huh. pictures on the inside of our eyeballs, and we think we're looking at something happening out there in the world, when in fact all we're looking at is a construct made up by our own minds. It's it's a profound place to uh, to start to wake up and realize what it is we're doing to ourselves, and of course to others in the process, and and to bring correction to it. Just it's it's monumental. Yeah, I mean. Oh, yeah, this is one thing I wanted to bring up is that, you know, or maybe you can you can go a little bit more into this. I have a feeling that this might be helpful. Like, you know, we cannot forgive something that we made real. Is that is that true? Is that like... Well, the, the application of forgiveness is to the mm-hmm. realities projected by the mind. The whole mm. bottom line of forgiveness is that perception is a construct made by the mind. Mm-hmm. And if painful data is being used to create those constructs, we have the option of collapsing those constructs. So what, what forgiveness does, you know, the, the culture, generally speaking, will say, well, I forgive you. I'll let you off the hook mm-hmm. for the pain that's yeah. happening mm-hmm. inside of me. And we say, never do that. Because that is not forgiveness, yeah. that's pardoning. If you know if somebody does something untoward, it's certainly a fine thing to do to say, I'm going to pardon you, I'm going to let you off the hook, but call it what it is, pardoning, 
Because if you call that forgiveness, the tendency will be you'll think when I've let somebody else off the hook, then I'm finished with my forgiveness work when I haven't even started yet. Letting somebody else off the hook, mm-hmm. pardoning someone is great. Now I need to recognize that if my mind's generating a disturbing, painful construct, that I want to collapse that construct and access what lies beneath it to remove what never belonged within me in the first place. Hostility, fear, sadness, guilt, grief, rage, drama, trauma. So the removal of those things, if I if I believe that they're real, yeah, then I'll you know, I'll just hold on to them. But I realize that they're just constructs of my mind and that those constructs are driven by goals. You know, in Aramaic, the word forgive is shabag or shabak. It translates literally to cancel. That I can look at the goals that are driving my pain constructs, and I can collapse those pain constructs by canceling the goals. And it's like just monumental in its impact. (sighs) Yeah. Good breath. Yeah. I don't know. Thank you. You you must have been ready for that one. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. So that's just what I felt to to bring. Um, I forget what I was talking about last week. I think it was about forgiveness. So I think it's kind of like on the same line. But that's where I'm at, and that's what Sweet. I felt like sharing and saying and saying hi. Awesome. And I thank you. I, I print I printed out some more of the worksheets yesterday and some things. So I want to thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And you know you can do the worksheets on your phone. There is an app. If you go to your app store on your phone and just type in Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, you don't even have to waste paper. You can just do it right there on the phone. Complete it if you want. You can also save it. Yeah, but... So you've got a digital copy. uh, I I can get free copies at the library, so I was there, so I just did it. (laughs) Awesome. But yeah, I do see. I have have the app. It's very useful. Um, I have done it, too, um, on the app as well. Heartland Aramaic, Sweet. right in front of me. There's, there's you and Miss Jean. There we are. <laughs> Our shining <Yeah>. faces. <laughs> That's right. Cool. The lights of the world. <laughs> well, glad you're using it. Pass it on. Thank you so much. And, um, yep, ahoy ho. All right. <laughs> Blessings, aloha. Blessings. All right. Well, Miss Jeannie, you've got another hand up. I do, and it's Miss Celinda. Thank you for being patient. Five four one, you're on the air. Oh, uh, you hey, know Selinda, what "ahoy ho" means, right, Michael? No, I don't actually. It means until we meet again. Ah, okay, cool. Hui is a gathering, and "ho" is doing the work. You know, like or, or again or something to that effect. It's been too Could long. Can we gather so together once again? Yeah, it's been too long since I've been in Hawaii. It's 30-some years, so I might not have the translation exactly correct, but that's basically the energy. (laughs) Close enough, eh? Cool. Sweet. Yeah, cool beans. Um, I've called in because I want to to, um, applaud everything that uh, Audrey said. And by the way, Audrey, if you would like my phone number, because I feel like our little family is um, 
um, growing. I'll be happy. Uh, I give Michael or Dr. Timmy the one permission to give that to you, so we can okay, connect. I'll, I'll text her number. I'll text her number to Audrey. Oh, perfect. And then she can text me because if I don't have her number in my phone book, in my contact list, I, I, will, I will ignore her. I don't know where you she don't is. Answer. There yeah. yeah, I don't right. answer. So she'll either need to call me and leave a voicemail or text me. And, okay. um, and texting is good because the phone number shows up on top. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send you each one of you the other's number so you can save it to your phone. Oh, so cool. if either one of you communicates, right. you'll know who it is because it will be in your caller ID. That. What brilliant thinking a communal mind has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted to share with you, um, I mentioned to Dr. Tim how much I appreciate the breadth on the phone, on the, on the radio show, how much I appreciate the breadth of his offerings. But I wanted to make sure that you and Jeannie understood, uh, as I mentioned to him, because you might have not been listening, that that is like the icing on the cake of the Aramaic gospel. So my foundation, I have a long history of, of tradition of of Christianity from the time I was uh, three, four years old. So anyway, um, that's my foundation. And then to have Aramaic kaleidoscope twist on that foundation, which is like, ground underneath my feet and I'll send you my um, blessings poem again because I've tweaked it a little bit and I think I now have it exactly in line with the Aramaic gospel to the best of my understanding so I'll send that Sweet. to you and you interested and, then, and I'll send you also the words I use for the conventional Christian who would uh, not identify with uh, the Aramaic words um, right. that I have used in there. But I just wanted to let you and Jeannie know that I echo everything that Audrey said this morning. And um, I think between you and Dr. Tim, you have, and, and you, Jeannie, you have an unbeatable team. Feeling blessed. That's right. We are, and I don't know if either one of you were able to listen to my comments with Dr. Tim on this morning's show um, of my awakening to gratitude and appreciation for what I had instead of whining and complaining about what I didn't get. So this both shows have been perfect for uh, including your Hawaiian ladies uh, call have been perfectly knit together by Ruha and life itself um, to to be a perfect expression of what I'm feeling today in this moment. And thank you for all the tools and for all of the offline support you've given me. And I just uh, I want to share with you how rich it is to be in this fellowship in this community of love <clears throat> wonderful thank you for saying thank you we are honored and blessed by the fact that we're teaching what we need to learn yep 
and you are also deserving, as Dr. Tim says so often. You are so welcome and deserving. Accepted. Thank you. All right. You take care. I'm going to buzz off now. I've got uh, the morning to catch up on. (laughs) All right. Blessings. Blessings. All right, Miss Jeannie. Our call-in number, by the way, if you're listening to the show on one of those stations we don't have or in our uh, our control panel where we can't see you, in order to talk to us, we have to be able to see you. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. Blog Talk has added a new feature. If you're in a place where you can't, you know, most people have free long distance these days, but if you're in a place where you can't reach us, um, you know, we're doing a lot more things in Europe and Asia and such, there is a new feature that Blog Talk has, and if you send Jeannie an email, J-E-A-N-I-E, at whyagain.org, then she can send you a link which will allow you through your computer to just click on the link, listen to the show on your computer, and also talk to us the same as if you were calling into the show. Maybe you want to say a little more about that, Jean? Actually, um, you have to have a Blog Talk account to use that feature. Um, and so what you can also do if you sign on you know, to Blog Talk to listen to the show you know, on the computer, then you've got access to the chat room. So even live, you know, without me having to see my email, you can type in the chat room and say, you know, this is my email. I'm going to, you know, please send me a link or something like that, and I can do it right then. Um, We are limited to only five that we can invite like that. So, you know, we would ask that, you know, after you have talked, you know, if there's several people that are wanting to come in that way, that you would hang up and just dial back in as you know on your computer just to listen and uh, hang up on the actual phone call part of it. But uh, you do have to have a Blog Talk account to when I send you the invite, then you click and then you sign in and and it gives you the the way to call into the show. And it worked really well yesterday for Julia, which she's in Washington State and she does not have free cell to call into the show, so it worked perfect for her, so it didn't cost her to do that. And we did have a hand just now go up. Great. And it is Miss Magda. Hi, 828, you're on the air. Welcome, lady. Thank you, thank you. Um, Terrific show and terrific guest. And I would like to ask you to... Um, continue on with a conversation you had earlier where you were talking about blaming others, creating stories to blame others. And then at the end, because this is what came up for me, oh, how about how, how we blame ourselves? And for me, and I'm just wondering if this is true for most of us, um, what I have found over time doing the worksheets, is that it seems to be so easy to release others from the blame that I've put on them and that I find underneath that, of course, is that I'm hiding 
from the blame I have put on myself. And when I get to realizing what it is that I'm blaming myself for, uh, that I'm the real problem, I have also found that as I go into working with, with those ridiculous ideas is that um, they were formed at a very, very young age and they are so solid because they've been deeply embedded within me for so many years and that they are the hardest, for me at least. Those are the hardest issues to overcome using all of your different tools. Um, and I'm just wondering if that is, in fact, is, is that how you have found it for yourselves, or is that just me? <clears throat> if you're talking, Michael, I can't hear you. So give me, give me your question in a little bit different form. Okay. Um, well, I've been making statements, haven't I? <laughs> I find that it is that the hardest things for me to forgive are the stories I've made up about myself as a child. Yeah, I think, right. And, and I think a lot of those stories, sometimes they're assumptions we've made, but I think a lot of those stories, and one of the reasons why my take, why there's another level of power behind them and why they're so persistent is because they were thought disorders given to us by the authority called a power person who in a small child's mind that power person is literally the child's god. So when the, yeah. the power person feeds a thought disorder to the child, it goes in with no resistance, with no censoring, with no logic, no ability to refuse. It's just, you know, slid right in. And that's one of the reasons why, and, you know, if, you, if you've got a, uh, a circumstance going on at this moment that you're working on, one of the things I'd suggest you do is pull out that 12-page power person worksheet we did in the power person intensive mm -hmm. and around whatever that, whole issue is do that worksheet and really unravel and unwind all of the dynamics around how that became your own your presumption about yourself and how easy it is I mean it's like there, there's a line in the uh, the Aramaic Lord's Prayer that can be properly translated as forgive us our habit mind and if that mm -hmm. habit's been with us from you know two, three, four, five, six, ten years of age, and if it was passed on that deeply and that easily from a power person, it was probably with the power person from the age of two, three, four, five, six, or ten. Then the, the those thought disorders are so transparently integrated into the structures about ourselves, the constructs about ourselves, that they seem like they must be true. And so a different, for me, a different measuring stick becomes important. Is my mind serving me up something based in hostility or fear? And oftentimes, even though the projection's on myself, 
I'll point my hostility or fear at someone else. That's kind of one of the things that I was talking about when I when I started out. You're right on track with that. Is that in order to make this story I'm telling myself about myself logical, I can hallucinate that there's somebody else out there reinforcing it for me, somebody else to blame for it. Uh-huh. And so now there's there's a dual approach in forgiveness to step back and observe my mind just making stuff up to make this story I have about me seem logical. Well, of course you believe that story is true about me too. It's like, well, no. Mm-hmm. But so... <laughs> It, it would oftentimes, even though it, you, you recognize itself making up stories about self, there will oftentimes be a component that you presume that someone else has the same presumption about you as you do. Right. And when you can observe that, then you're now forgiving from the perspective of your projection on that other person and your projection on yourself. But the the most powerful way, I think, to unwind it is with that power person worksheet. That's that's a great reminder, Michael. Um, absolutely fabulous reminder. And um, I was just thinking, too, that as a kid, we want our, our human gods and our parents to be a shining light and to be right because in my mind I wanted their protection and their love and and so I had to try to see them as perfect as I could even though I had evidence that they certainly were not perfect and um, so in that process of blaming myself so I must be the problem that's the reason he or she is acting this way toward me is because there's something wrong with me. And I know I've heard you say very often that that's one of the the major sad misbeliefs that so many of us have taken on. There's something wrong with me. I have caused this. Um, and so I guess that would be a good way to preserve in the child's mind for me to have preserved the godliness of my parents um, to take it on myself because otherwise... Yeah, what story? Yeah. Yeah, what, what story have I told about mm-hmm. my power person that has me believe whatever it is that I'm believing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the power person worksheets plural, very, very important, and uh, a great guidepost. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Okay. All right. So good. So if you're thinking about a, a specific um, piece of the puzzle, and, and I've actually been doing a rewrite of the Power Person Worksheet just the last few days, and I'll, I'm, I'm in the midst of it. I'll complete it and I'll send you a copy of it, of the latest oh, cool. piece. But but one of the things you might want to do is just ask yourself the question, what story did I tell myself about my power person that convinced me to believe what they're saying about me? 
Okay. Okay. That seems absolutely unobtainable right at this moment. So I'm sure that it's very on the mark and something that I can and will do for myself. And there isn't anything in particular that I'm working on right now. I'm just going with my past experiences um, with the work and noticing over and over again. It always seems to come back to my my beliefs, my erroneous beliefs about myself and um, having to work through those. So possibly what I've been missing is the connection with the power person. So those worksheets will be good. I, I look forward to getting your updated version. Thank you. Okay. Okay. But just okay. really looking at, you know, and and the story is probably going to be something along the lines of, well, of course they know better than I, so they must be right about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course they were all powerful and all-knowing, so what they said must have been true. Just looking at what the story was and then having the courage and recognize that it's safe to question whatever they said. Mm-hmm. And I think many times that we, the kids, on the end of the, you know, that end of, of the interactions in those days, um, I think we made up our own crazy stories about ourselves uh, that were not even actually uttered or inferred by the parents uh, or the, you know, the other adults. Perhaps yeah, oftentimes it, it is an assumption. It's something I made up based on mm-hmm, the messages mm-hmm. that I got. Right. So how about right. a mind shifter? Okay, you got to hang on a little minute because I'm playing with tomatoes, making tomato sauce, so I have to get a hand. I was dry. doing exactly the same thing last night. <laughs> we have Isn't an abundance of them. Yes. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So I'm going to... Uh, get a pen and paper, and I'll be with you in a moment. You know, I love the mind shifters, and you always come up with such right-on-target stuff. Okay, I am ready. It's safe and healing. No, it isn't. And I... (laughs) And I and I always received approval okay. from my power person when I questioned them, him or her. Ooh, received approval from my power person when I questioned. So now my memory is trying to go, did I question? (laughs) The first thing to go on the the right-hand side. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, oftentimes, especially if you had a hostile power person, questioning them was just, you know, poo. Yeah, that That was a no-no. The place for mega disapproval and 
and oftentimes some pretty brutal punishment. Yeah. Well, that'll put me in quite a uh, historical uh, um, look back, and, and we'll see what comes up. Yeah. Cool. Do a little research. Cool. All right. Thank you. I've been I've been wondering since yeah. our I guess second to last conversation. You're going to watch that um, documentary I'd shared with uh, about on the show on shiny, happy people. And um, I wondered how that impacted you. Um, actually, Michael, I would have to um, watch it again to give you a better report. Um, I just thought it was well done in terms of the exposure the under, and, and therefore the understanding of how minds can be manipulated. And, um, and I thought perhaps this, these are the things I'm remembering, but I'd like to look at it again with shiny, happy people. Um, I thought perhaps it was the basis for a lot of the, um, Antiness that is happening politically. You know, with so oh, I think many, it's right there at the foundation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it's it's and, the uh, I think it's the root of the American Taliban. The American. I mean, it's exactly thing. Taliban. It's exactly what in the middle uh, in the Middle East has been called the Taliban, you know, the yeah, religious, yeah, yeah. The, the so-called religious, the hostile religious who want to take over a country, take over other people's lives, take over the people's morals, and basically run everybody else's life. Right. Right. Yeah, I think you're right on there. The American Taliban. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I would like to look at it again. Um and maybe we can talk further in the future. Okay. And cool. I'm glad you let us know about it already. Okay. Blessings. Cool. Well, maybe we'll watch. And, maybe we'll watch it again, and uh, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, we can have another conversation. Absolutely. To me, the the most dramatic piece of information that came out of that, and you know, it ties right in with this whole power person idea. Although it starts in in that community, starts far earlier and more dramatically with the fact that they have this thing called blanket time, if you remember. Oh, golly, yes. I mean, talk about yeah, how six to... months of age. Yeah. I mean, talk, the, the power person dynamic there at six months of age, I mean, pre-verbal, pre-everything, and mm-hmm. putting a child in the blanket, tempting them with a toy, and then hitting them when they reach for the toy. It's like, and 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 calling that breaking this the uh, rebellious <laughs> spirit of the child. It's like, I beg your pardon. I mean, how bizarre and insane is yeah. that? Yeah, Michael, I think they were right on with the words breaking. It's not the rebellious spirit, just spirit. Completely, yeah. you know, creating a little yeah. a top. Yeah, that, that exactly, exactly. That yeah. Cringeworthy, cringeworthy. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. And that Jack scene with the child of three you know, repeating repeating the mantra of I must obey, I must obey, I must obey at, oh, at three years yes. of age. It's like Yes. Yes. Immediate didn't she say immediately? Okay, immediately. Immediately, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. 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 Oh, pretty bizarre. Oh. Well, and now I'm thinking, okay, how different was my childhood? It wasn't that explicit. And yet in one way or another, I was told the same thing. I think, you know, a lot of us were. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> well, hopefully most of us didn't get punished just for reaching for an attractive toy. That, that to me, is the most outrageous and the most egregious piece of it. Uh, you know, yes, we probably all got punished, and yeah, there were crazy things, but... Uh, I, before I saw that, it had never occurred to me that it could be that egregious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I actually know of a child. This was years ago when I was still um, working for the Milwaukee Public School System as a social worker. And the school I was right. in, there was a young boy who was, I think he was eight years old at the time, and his behavior was just um, erratic and rebellious and everything else that teachers and parents really hated. And the child needed a lot more help than he was getting. And in the summer, he actually died because his religious, uh, the church his mother belonged to, uh, they sent some, a couple of uh, the minister and a couple of very strong men to hold him down while he was rebelling. And they held him with their bodies lying on top of him because he got so strong when he was in rebellion. And he suffocated. He died. So, wow. Yeah, I'm not sure that, um, you know, that isn't happening in many, many dimensions that we're just not aware of in different families and different religions. Wow. Um, that's sending a chill up and down my spine. I'm yeah. with you on that. That's just outrageous. Mm-hmm. Well, joining you in holding a space for healing. Yes, yes, for all of us. And, um, yeah, okay, well, I will take another look at that, and I will work with Grace Mindshifter, and we'll see what comes of it. Thank you so much. All right, blessings. Take care. Thank you, Janie. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, Miss Janie, we've got about five minutes left. Do we have anybody else in the phone queue with a hand up or anything? We just have a little over four. I'm not sure. I just saw the uh, switchboard flicker, and I think maybe Celinda put her hand up again, but I'm not sure. Celinda? Yes, I did. Yes, young lady. Hey, we got four minutes. Rock on. Okay. I just wanted to say that um, when you and Magda were talking about the stories we make up, 
And I would like to offer this perspective. I have no idea if it's true or not, but it resonates for me. Uh, when I was studying Touch for Health and other uh, energy me- uh, medicine modalities, I learned a lot about the conscious brain and the unconscious brain, uh, I mean the subconscious brain. And one of the things that I connected that conscious brain with is the rights of passage and the rights of uh, a boy entering adulthood or a girl entering adulthood in indigenous cultures or even in the Jewish culture, all of these rituals we have. And... um, and really it was a reflection it's a reflection of the development of the conscious brain which we don't have and i began to understand what preconscious meant means because when i reflected on that i thought that's right we have a subconscious and the um we have a preconscious and then out of that preconscious develops a subconscious as so just my ideas now my imaginings and out of the preconscious, it develops the subconscious and the conscious. And then the conscious, uh, I think of the stories as belonging to the conscious brain. But we also have our preconscious stories. And very often, I think they probably get lodged in the, pre- in the subconscious brain. Um, and so our stories are always programming stories. They're always, to me, it would seem to be, uh, and maybe always, it's not, we can kick out the word always. To me, they seem to be stories that the conscious mind um, builds because it's, a, it's an evidential device and it's a program device. And I, when I took logic in college, the only thing I remember is that an argument can be logical and be totally untrue. You know, it's like apes are, um, how would it say, apes are mammals and men are mammals, therefore men are apes. You know, those kind of silly arguments that we use with our conscious brain to prove we're right. And so I offer that. Making stuff up. <laughs> yeah, making stuff up. And the preconscious brain is the brain of the child living in the imagination um, and then this God uh, that that's supposed to protect me tells me I am wrong and it's all my fault. There's nothing, there's no logical brain for the little kid to sort through that and and come to a, even a come to any conclusion that it could possibly not be true because it's preconscious, it's total download stuff. And then um, it'll get buried in the subconscious, and then we build our little unconscious to lock us down. And, uh, you know, it's very complex, but at the same time, and at the same time, let's, let's use a paradox here, and at the same time, it's very simple once we understand it and the paradox goes away, that we have all these compartments in our mind and actually in our brain as well, all these different areas. And it's all that integration process. Well, as long as I have to be in right and wrong, and for the little tiny child, if if God says I'm wrong and I need God for protection, my God, <laughs> you know, where else am I going to go? Between rock and hard place. 
Right. I can't make them wrong because if they're wrong, I'm dead, right? (laughs) I'm dead if I'm wrong anyway, if I don't obey immediately, right? So it's that sort of thing. And then, of course, we have our little preconscious interpretations, which become our support, our evidential support. Yeah. And that's it. Uh Aha. All right, well, maybe we'll have a conversation about about the levels of of functioning of the mind that would be a little different than that, but at some point we'll maybe take that one up. And the show's ready to cut us off. We're down to, I just got the 10-second announcement about 15 seconds ago, so it's going to cut us off at any second. So appreciate everybody who's joining us and pass it on. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. Thanks and With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.